You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. I don't know how you celebrated Cinco de Mayo, but you probably had more fun than I did. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Last night, I get home. My wife goes, uh, we're going to do a virtual cooking class. Excuse and I me. said, um, what does that mean, hon? Well, you, me, and uh, Molly, our daughter, we're going to take part in a virtual Cinco de Mayo cooking class. And I said, okay, what do, what do I need to do? And then she said, well, you can make the corn. I said, all right. And then she'll make shrimp tacos. My daughter was doing the margaritas and the guacamole. And I said, all right, I can, I can do this. I said, can I drink during the virtual tour, you know, the cooking class? She said, yeah, but, you know, to a minimum. And I said, well, what's a minimum? She said, well, how about one margarita? I said, all right. Well, how long's the cooking class? Oh, it shouldn't take that long. It doesn't take long to cook shrimp cocktail, uh, no tacos. Yeah. Started at five, gathering all the ingredients. Got to six o'clock, went up on uh, the Zoom, had all these people there. We had to go around the room. We had to tell them who you were <sighs> and, and what's, your, what's your favorite meal. And so I, of course, wasn't giving honest answers, which my wife was very disappointed. I said I was a male model. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm holding my, my margarita. So we finally, I mean, the food was great. And the woman who puts on the class is a great chef. But it, it was, it was 8.30. <laughs> we started at 6. We were at 8.30. Cinco de Mayo was almost over. And I said, I got to go. I, I, I got a, a half hour here before I'm, I'm going to be in bed. And I, I, so we went rogue. We hit mute. Went rogue, another batch of margaritas, and we decided to start eating. And then that was my Cinco de Mayo last night. <sighs> Throw in a beer, and I'm a little wobbly today, I will admit. My, my daughter made some mean margaritas there, and uh, but I did it. Once again, guys, you have to understand, you got to take a couple of bullets occasionally, all right? Because this allows you to have a little bit more freedom. So when my wife says, now tonight for dinner, it's going to be probably something pretty simple. But last night, we were two and a half hours in. I was the good soldier. My daughter and I kept cranking up the music, and my wife was saying, no, stop. Like, we were LCD sound system. Daft Punk is playing in my house, my house last night. And my wife was just going, we stop, stop. And my daughter and I were, uh, and then we wanted to turn out the lights and make it a dance party. And, yeah, that's how I, that's how I roll. You want to roll with me, baby? Cinco de Mayo. Yes, Seton. Because now you don't even have the built-in excuse of like, oh, no, the game's on. I got I to gotta watch this one. I can't do that cooking class. I know. You don't have any of that stuff. When I say I got another episode of Better Call Saul that I got to watch, I had no escape hatch here. Yes, Paul. Did you get uh, any questions because you're the sports guy? Dan, when do you think the NBA is coming back? I don't think anybody had any idea who I was. Well, that's a good thing. Except for the chef. She, she, she ha She's met us before, and... And she has a little bit. I think her husband's a big Met fan, but I didn't get any of that, which was good because I, I did. Hey, when do you think they're bringing sports back here? Would you go to a game and sit in the stands right now? Yes. Yeah, 
my usual response to like, hey, we're going to do a, like, uh, say, an online cooking class or something. Mm-hmm. What do you mean we? <laughs> like, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why would I be included in that? <laughs> I said to my wife, we don't have to do anything extra. We don't. I mean, it's it's good. Like, it's conversation. You know, it's, it's fun. You know, I, we're together. And then you do the virtual and then... And then I don't know if I'm on or not. And then I realize I am on. And then when she's asking me a question, I realize I'm not on. And then I'm talking and then she can't hear me. And then I have to repeat two and a half hours. And then they we didn't even get to make. I said to my wife, no, we're not doing dessert. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, hon. You can because I'm going to go smoke a cigar. And then I, I, I got an episode of Better Call Saul. And that's it. And I am Dunsky. So what you want to do here with the cilantro is you want to chop it up really nice and fine. Okay, look at my... Oh. And then, we, you know, we had to compare knives. Uh, you know, see this knife? It just became... As it, you marinate the shrimp, think about where the shrimp came from and be one with the shrimp. Yeah, it, it was... Um, and then I got to find all the ingredients. I don't know where these ingredients are. I mean, I, I know where the, the staples are, the basics are. Like there's a lime zest and then there's lime juice. And I go, how about, what's the difference between lime zest and lime juice here? And she goes, how can I love you but want you out of the kitchen? Like you're adorable and you're annoying. Were you, I, were you trying to get thrown out? Yes, I was. I, I was doing my damnedest. Whew. So does anybody celebrate Uno Dos? Seis de Mayo. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's, I don't hear anybody ever say, man, I'm going to kill it on Seis de Mayo. Yes, Paulie? I'm Mr. Seis de Mayo. I think today is the day we all should order takeout from a Mexican restaurant because they all got their business yesterday, and today is a down day. And, mm. and you know, stay with it. Don't be a quitter. Seis de Mayo. That's it. Yes, Seaton. And see, if I was a company like, uh, like Pepto-Bismol or something, mm. I would own Seis de Mayo. Mm. Great. Because mm. everybody went to town yesterday with like uh, tacos and all kinds of, you know, you're having margaritas and all that stuff. And then today you wake up and you're like, man, that's Pepto. All right. Well, welcome to the program. Uh... <laughs> Are we on the air? Yeah, I know. And then my wife always says, Are you going to talk about this tomorrow? And I go, no. Why would I? She goes, OK, <laughs> but don't don't do that. All right, just, you know, these are my friends. I go, yeah, I, I, I know. I didn't disrespect anybody. I just, I like to eat. I grew up in a household that at 6 o'clock you ate. Every day, 6 o'clock. Not 6.01, not 5.59. 6 o'clock you sat down. Six kids in the family. If you got there late, that was it. My mom, you know, my mom, this isn't an Italian household where mom will cook more this is an Irish household where that's what you got. And if you get there late, you get a bologna sandwich or an apple. And I tell my wife, you know, she's Italian. You know, we could eat around eight. No, no, we don't eat around eight, hon. It's almost bedtime. Six o'clock is when we eat. We sit down. That's because I would I'd be in a panic. I'd have to get there at six o'clock. Sometimes I'd get there at 558 just to get my seat. And so my wife goes, no, I mean, they're very loose. When we went to Italy, I remember we sat down. You'd eat at 10 o'clock at night. And I go, hon, no. Can't, what's wrong with eating at 6 o'clock? Oh, you know, it should take a couple of hours to eat. We ate as fast as we could 
because we didn't want somebody taking something off our plate and you wanted to make sure you got a full meal there. That's just the way it worked in the house. We had the same meal on every night of the week. So spaghetti one night, then you'd have grilled cheese and tomato soup, tuna fish casserole. Oh, the best. We had ham. I mean, it was the same meal. Meatloaf? Yeah, hell yeah, meatloaf. That was it. So my wife, very loose with this. And it, it's, a, you know, it's an event to have a meal. With us, it was survival. And <laughs> you sit there and go, they, like eating isn't enjoyable to me. It was like a means to an end. <laughs> and I had two older brothers, and I, I was like, man, I, I got to box them out here. That's why I weighed 148 pounds my senior year in high school. 6'3", 148. All righty. Welcome to the program. Gang's all here, ready to go. We'll talk some college football with Paul Feinbaum. Meta World Peace will stop by a little bit later on. Sure, he's got some Michael Jordan stories. Maybe he'll tell the story when he broke Mike's ribs back in early 2000. He'll join us coming up. This great program brought to you by 1-800-Flowers, the official florist of Mother's Day. 1-800-Flowers, beautiful Mother's Day gifts and bouquets to order. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon, and then you enter code Patrick. Good to go. NFL is going ahead with its schedule release tomorrow night. And for now, we might as well enjoy it. Start thinking about how fun these games could be, hopefully will be. And I know ESPN and NFL Network have set aside three hours for the schedule release. We already know what the matchups were going to be prior to this. You're not sure what those dates are, but there's not a lot of drama here. You're going to have one team that's going to be in prime time that hasn't been there in a while, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, they don't play the Patriots, which would have been great, but Brady and Breeze head-to-head twice. Brady, Aaron Rodgers once. Patrick Mahomes and Brady once. Mahomes and the Chiefs face the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, a duel of MVPs. And if you're a Cowboy fan or you root against the Cowboys, you got plenty of primetime games and a showdown with the 49ers. But a lot more detail coming up tomorrow night, and it feels like fantasy football at this point, but still should be a lot of fun to look forward to the juicy games of 2020. Here's another item. We had Mike Florio on yesterday. Love talking to Mike. He's always got some interesting things. And he brought up the following. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. You look at the salary restrictions, the the salary impact if you trade Aaron Rodgers. Now, it's going to be a pretty big blow to the Packers with their salary cap. But can you see Aaron Rodgers after this season playing someplace else? Still has a lot of money coming his way. Now, you're not going to let Aaron Rodgers go in the division. But then, you know, would he go to the Bears would be the one question, and they're not going to allow that to happen. This is something that I did not know. When Brett Favre was traded to the uh, Jets, the Packers had a term escalating the price to three first-round picks. If the Packers or if the Jets traded him to either the Vikings, Bears, or Lions, now he went to the, you know, the Packers likely would have uh, sent him to a contender elsewhere in the conference, but this is what will probably be the case with Aaron Rodgers, is maybe landing with the 49ers is one that he brings up. The other one is... Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) Florio says, makes sense to look at the AFC. If you're, if you're the, let's just say this happens. Let's just say 
or just hypothetically, you're not going to let him go to the NFC, are you? Unless you know that you're going to get something in return and he's not going to come back and haunt you. So AFC makes a lot of sense. And then as uh, Florio says, sorry, Derek Carr, the Raiders, that's the one team that stands out. John Gruden, Aaron Rodgers, Silver and Black, Vegas, makes too much sense not to happen. Other AFC teams that could be interested, the Patriots. What about the Colts? What about Jaguars? What about the Broncos? What about the Browns? What if Sam Darnold doesn't do enough this year to cement his grip on the job, Florio writes? What if the Jets opt for the same kind of all-in move they made 12 years ago when the Jets acquired Brett Favre? I know it's just speculation. It feels, well, you know, I've said it. Brett Favre said it. Many people have said it. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers ends his career as a Green Bay Packer. And maybe Aaron Rodgers says, all right, you guys have a different system here. You want to be running the ball. You want to be more like the Niners. Maybe this is going to be mutual. I think once Jordan Love gets to camp, you're going to know exactly what the Packers' plans are for Aaron Rodgers. Because if Jordan Love comes in and they go, talented, but, or if they say, oh my God, because that's what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. You had a a Pro Bowl quarterback who led you to the playoffs and you go all in on Patrick Mahomes. When Mahomes got to camp, that's when, according to uh, somebody who was there, said, oh my gosh, we've got a new quarterback. That was their reaction of seeing Mahomes when he got to camp. I don't know if Jordan Love is going to be that kind of guy. What if he gets there and you go, oh, my God, what did we do? What did we do? Aaron, come here. Let me give you a hug. Oh, no, I can't hug you, but come here. Yeah, I just, you're going to know right away. Because that's what happens with these guys. When, when these guys get there in front of, you know, your fellow competitors, it doesn't take long before they go, oh, my God. You're going to want to know how sharp is he? Does he process? You know, th- those are the big things. They all have tools. But how good are you in getting that information, you know, kind of disseminating the information there in real time? That's that's the most important thing you have with these these players when they don't have to think. It just becomes the norm. They react uh, and you have that with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the great quarterbacks are able to do that. I don't know if Jordan Love can play at the next level. He's got the talent to play. But if you and Aaron Rodgers is going to know, too. Because he's going to see how people react to Jordan Love. And if he sees this, all right, I get it. You know, they're kind of falling in love with him the way they did with me. When, when they brought him in with Brett Favre, it took a little bit of, you know, longer because they changed some things mechanics-wise with Aaron Rodgers. Then they realized what they had. That's when Favre became expendable. That was three years. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is waiting three years here. All right, McLevin, you got a poll question for me? If you'd like to get in touch with the program, you can. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to our radio partners and, of course, those watching on uh, it's YouTube, isn't it, Pauly? Yeah, the YouTubes. Yeah, the YouTubes. The YouTubers. Uh, we, you can go to... Uh, it's Dan Patrick. YouTube.com. I think if you go to YouTube.com or, or search Dan Patrick YouTube channel, it'll just pop up. 
I think it's yeah. free, isn't it? I, I said I'm a little banged up from last night, all right? You were up to almost 845. I, I know. I was, but I was singing Daft Punk is playing in my house. My house. <laughs> it starts out great. It does. That song, like, boom, right away. Although I did watch the documentary on their last show, LCD Sound System at the Garden. Uh, it's good, isn't it? But it, I don't think they played Daft Punk is playing in my house, did they? Or did I miss that? Because that's the only reason why I wanted to tune in. Although I did see a lot of talking heads, you know, the, the, the band talking heads in LCD Sound System. You can't help but listen to talking heads or LCD Sound System and not hear the talking heads influences there. Mm. But, but yeah, we were cranking. We were cranking last night. My daughter and I. Jamming out? Yeah, my wife was disappointed in us. Because you were acting younger than Immature. your daughter? Yes, I was. I was, and then I did a video. So I did a video of us dancing, uh, my daughter and I, and I sent it to Darius Rucker because I was singing. And he just said, you two are crazy. And just went, ha, 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 ha. That was the only person I think I sent it to. Do we, do we have permission to obtain no, it? No, no, we can't do that. There's some language on there. Is that a hard no? or is That's that, a hard no. Because you got to give me two no's. Not a no, okay. no, right. no. Can't do that. Hard no. There's some language. You know, I was, I was having a good time. I mean, I was celebrating Cinco de Mayo. That's, Sounds like you got loose. I did a little bit, a little bit, as, as loose as I'm allowed to get in my kitchen with my, uh, my wife and daughter <laughs> in a virtual cooking show. Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> okay. And let's bring in Dan. Dan, you're a male model. Uh, hi. Hi. My name's <laughs> Dan. I'm a Taurus. I'm a male model. <laughs> and... And what do you like to eat, Dan? Uh, I I like pesto. I grow pesto. my own pesto. And then you could see the look on the people that are like, you don't grow pesto, you grow basil. I said, I grow my own pesto. And then I, my wife is like, stop, stop. All righty. I like that your favorite food is is like a sauce. Yeah, I know. Like it's a, it's something that you put on food. It's not even actually food. Exactly. It's like, what's your favorite food? Ketchup. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, interesting. Did your mom ever put water in the ketchup bottle to make it go around a little bit longer? Uh, no. Like my mom did. God rest her soul. She did the best she could. But I remember that we would get down to the bottom with our ketchup and my mom would put water in it. And therefore, it would go around a little bit longer. Yes, Todd. Were times that tough? I know you also had shared a story that if it came to a bologna sandwich, only one piece of bologna would be between the uh, bread there. I, we didn't have any money. Like, I didn't know we didn't have any money until you saw people who had money. And uh, But look, she did the best. My, my parents did the best they could because we didn't know we didn't have any money. Um, but yeah, we got one slice of bologna. And I swear to God, if I held it, I could see through the slice of bologna. <laughs> it was that thin. You got American cheese, bologna, some mustard on it, and an apple. That was usually, that was wet. That's what we had at school for lunch. Oh, I got to get sports back. I got to, <laughs> they got to, I hit the wall. I officially hit the wall. Yeah. The, the quarantine sports wall last night. Wednesday, May 6th yep. is the, uh, yep. the day it all came down. This, Mark it down. Yep. This, this was it. I, I went, I, I, I'm watching Korean baseball. Oh, what am I doing? You're going to go like the guy in network. You're going to lose it today. I'm mad as hell. <laughs> and I'm not going to take it anymore. All right. I'll get my act together. Uh, 20 after the hour. Take a break. 
Uh, we'll check in with Meta World Peace. Paul Feinbaum on loan from uh, the SEC will join us as well. Got some college football news to talk about. Whew. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Got a stat of the day, got a play of the day coming up. We'll settle on a poll question here. I saw where Frank Gore at age 37 is going to join the New York Jets. I like Frank Gore, but if I'm a Jets fan, I don't look at this and go, yes, yeah, we got Frank Gore. He's 37. You got Le'Veon Bell. Frank Gore's a Hall of Famer, but like, unless, is he going to help You know, show them how to, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird signing there. Yeah, Paul. I actually love this for the Jets, and this is what the Jets should have done two years ago. Instead of breaking the bank for Le'Veon Bell to not help your franchise, get a, another running back and throw him in there for one year and have him get you 4.2 yards of carry. But you have Le'Veon Bell. You should let, cut him. Well, I would have rather had Frank Gore. If Where the Jets were, where the Jets are, if I can get Frank Gore and he's not going to cost me anything, I'd rather have him. Like Le'Veon Bell... Is, is he ever going to be what he once was with Pittsburgh? Probably not with the Jets. And the Jets aren't going to be winning more than, what, six or seven games at the most this year. If I have Frank Gore and I put him in there, like he would have made more sense, you know, bringing him in than Le'Veon Bell because the, the Jets aren't going anywhere. But a 37-year-old running back. Marcus Allen was 37 when he had – he scored a lot of touchdowns with the Chiefs. He didn't have a lot of yards. You know, he had a – I don't know, 400 yards or something. But I remember he had like 11 touchdowns at age 37. Yeah, Paulie. I have a Frank Gore-related poll question that's more about a concept than Frank Gore specifically. Okay. Which running back's career would you rather have? Frank Gore, 15 years, and he was a good running back every year. He averaged about 1,100 yards a year. You know, he was never the best running back in the, in the game. Never. Made a few Pro Bowls. He was a good running back for a long, long time. Or you could have the career of Terrell Davis, formerly of the Broncos. There was a three-year run where he was clearly the best running back in the game. He was first-team All-Pro for three years. Then he got injured, injured and never really played football again. But for three years, he was the best running back in the game. And let's assume both are going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, they are. Yeah. Whose career would you want? I would rather be Terrell Davis. Because I'm I'm the best at what I did. But there's so much left undone. And I won a couple of Super Bowls and I won an MVP. I know it's what could have been, as Fritzy shows me his Terrell Davis jersey that he has on today. Thank you, Todd. Uh, I would go Terrell Davis just because he was the best at one point. Frank Gore. Here's some numbers on Frank Gore. Frank Gore needs two more touch. I think he's got 98 rushing touchdowns. He's got one less than Barry Sanders does. He has produced 19,000 scrimmage yards. That's fourth all time. He trails Jerry Rice, Emmett Smith, and Walter Payton. He has, he has gained 11 miles from scrimmage in his career. I don't, I don't think too many guys have a career where you're talking about, oh, how many miles did you gain? 11 miles from scrimmage. 
in his career. Yes, Todd. When is it, wow, that's a lot of yards, and when is it a compiler? Some people look at it one way. Some people look at it as a negative. Well, if you stuck around and were able to stay healthy enough to play that long, you should have a lot of yards. I don't look at him as a compiler because at that position, you don't get to stay around long enough to be a compiler. And what he's done, I mean, it's truly remarkable. He had both knees surgically repaired. They didn't even know he could play in the NFL. I mean, truly an amazing, amazing athlete. You know, but Frank never had... I can't remember a highlight reel where I go, oh, remember that run that Frank had? Frank's the guy who shows up every single day. He's just a blue-collar worker. I'm going to show up. I'm going to play. I'm going to give you 1,000 yards. You can, he's reliable. He's, you, know, you never hear anything negative about him. And, uh, you know, he's going in. Le'Veon Bell averaged 3.2 yards per carry last year. Second lowest in the NFL. I can find any running back to do that. I mean, that's where the Jets went out and got Le'Veon Bell. And if you're ready to win, I certainly understand that signing. But given his track record and you're bringing him into New York and what are the expectations for you and the team and neither lived up to those expectations and you're paying him a pretty penny. Yeah, McLevin. I mean, this is totally a player coach situation. Like he's there to help Le'Veon Bell act like a pro. The Jets aren't. I mean, he uh, Gore didn't average much more than Bell last year. It's not an on-field thing, is oh, it? Wait, now you're going to teach Le'Veon Bell how to be a pro? I, I hope so. I mean, it's kind of like when they signed Al Horford to the Sixers just to get Joel Embiid to act like a pro, in my mind. Okay. I, is this like we're bringing in, we're going to draft Jordan Love to send a message to Aaron Rodgers? Like, I well, don't... There's no way. There's no way Frank Gore and has any impact on the Jets' playoff run. And he didn't. He's barely done anything the last few years, has he? But what does Frank Gore do where Le'Veon Bell goes? Hmm. So that's how you're a professional. Oh, that's what you do. Really, I think Frank? That's what they say. Frank Gore is like the ultimate professional. Oh, Guys he like is. Follow him. But I, I can't imagine that Le'Veon Bell. Like now, you're going to get through to him. And he's not being professional. I. That's true. How old is Le'Veon Bell? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Okay. I'm guessing he's probably set in his ways. That Frank Gore comes to town, and then Le'Veon Bell, go, and, unless he realizes that he could be cut if he doesn't get his act together. I mean, that would send the message. I don't think Frank Gore sending a message. At least, I can't imagine that with Le'Veon Bell. But you got Frank Gore. Got a quality. Person in there, quality running back, and a future Hall of Famer. All right. Good luck with that. Yes, Todd. And you're not doing it for financial reasons. It's not going to boost ticket sales. He doesn't have some great personality. It's not a big name. We don't even know when fans are going to be allowed to go into the seats anyway. So it's not a revenue boost by saying Frank Gore is a member of our team now. Trell Davis had 5,200 yards, almost 5,300 rushing yards between 1996 and 1998. is the most yards, most rushing yards in any three-year period by any running back in NFL history. It was a, and that's why I was a, a you know a big spokesperson, a proponent for him getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, at that position, I I don't go, I can't compare you to Walter Payton and Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. It's it's hard to do that at that position. And now, forget about it. You know the way we use running backs. You're not going to have anybody who comes close to these rushing totals. 
but Terrell Davis, those three years, they were the best team. He was the best player, and you won a couple, couple of Super Bowls. Would you want longevity? You would. But at that position, you don't normally get longevity. Uh, Paul in Iowa joins us. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind? Hey, DP. Um, third time, long time, 5'11", and uh, stopped counting quarantine. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody's going to take Terrell Davis because he has rings, or 90% will. Make it a little more interesting. Put, would, you have, would you rather have Frank Gore's career or CJ2K? They both have accolades in their own regard, and neither one of them have a ring. Chris Johnson or Frank Gore? Chris Johnson, thanks for the phone call, Paul. Chris Johnson had the 2,000 yards. He had about a, he had about a five-year run, Chris Johnson, where he was a, a top-flight running back, but he had one monster season. Yes, he did. And at the time, the fastest player in the league. Would I rather have that blast of dominance? Or... I, I think I would take Frank Gore's. I, I just, I, I, I think I would take Frank Gore because I got somebody who did it for a long, there was sustainability. There was sustained goodness. Not greatness, but goodness there. If Chris Johnson won a couple of Super Bowls to go along with the 2,000 yards, then it's different. Uh, he had one incredible year. Uh, who was the... Ravens running back who had 2,000 yards in a season. Jamal Lewis. Yeah. So Jamal Lewis had 2,000 yards in a season. Yeah, McLovin. But there's also a matter of style. You want to be Chris Johnson breaking those 80-yard runs. Nobody wants to be a Jamal Lewis or a Frank Gore. Like, you want to be the No, I get, I, I get you want a highlight reel. It, it'd be yeah. tough to piece together a highlight reel of Frank Gore, I'm guessing. Or Jamal Lewis. Although Jamal Lewis, it felt like, had a few more highlights in there. But... Yeah, you would want that, but Frank Gore's going to the Hall of Fame. And Chris Johnson is not. Yeah, McLovin. I do agree with that caller. The, the Terrell Davis, is, he has two Super Bowl rings, so yeah. he's sort of part of NFL history in a way that Gore is not. If I just said, let's take away the Super Bowl rings, just the career, you know, he those are big numbers. He, just the fact that he had the best three-year rushing total in the history of the NFL. Yeah, McLovin. And let's not forget that every other back after Terrell Davis in that illegal cup locking system <laughs> ran for 2,000 yards. Oh, wait, it's Gary, Mike Anderson. Oh, I, I know, mean, I know. There was a little thing going on there. Yeah, Shanahan had a system there with the Broncos. And, you know, they didn't have great offensive linemen, but they had skilled tacticians at... Dirty. At, dirty. I'll say it, yeah. Dirty. <laughs> Yeah, there are a few defensive linemen who uh, had choice words for Mark Schlereth and some of those guys. Tim in Wisconsin. Hey, Tim, what's on your mind today? Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Hey, as a lifelong Packer fan, you know, I was really looking forward to the draft. Uh, and this was a chance after all these years that we kind of wasted uh, to help Rodgers out. Uh, we get a chance to help him out. And, and I see that we draft a quarterback, and I was just thinking, not <laughs> it was it was just you know i mean we wasted all these good years that and you guys showed the stat that he hasn't thrown to uh but one first round draft pick yeah. uh, and we actually get a chance i think he's too much of a competitor though uh to want to show people 
uh, in Green Bay that, you know, he's still got it. I, I just I can't see him leaving Green Bay anytime soon, and, and maybe that's just being naive that, you know, I, we just want him here so much and, and we need him as a quarterback. But it, it, it might I, not I be his choice, him. but thank you, Tim. I, if you're changing your system, why do you need Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that, that would be my thought process. It's a very expensive quarterback who's going to be handing the ball off. Because if you're going to have him be Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and you know, you have Matt LaFleur looks up to that 49er offensive system. Kyle Shanahan with what he's doing, that's what they want to incorporate. If I had the GM who wants the quarterback and drafts him, I got a coach who wants more of a running style, why do I have Aaron Rodgers? Trade him to an AFC team, get some picks, start the rebuild with the Packers. Because, and I, I truly believe that the front office realized they are not a 13-3 and team like they were last year. I thought they were a 10-win team at best. Remember when they beat the Bears opening game? We looked at that as maybe an upset. I mean, we thought, oh, the Bears, man, they're going to be, they're going to the playoffs again. Bears had the coach of the year, Matt Nagy, the year before. And then all of a sudden, hey, Packers beat the Bears. Wow, that's a surprise. No, no, it wasn't. But the Packers weren't a great team last year. Good team, not a great team. Look at the over-under Vegas. It's nine. I think nine for a team that won 13. How often does that happen? You win 13 and then you're, you're over-under on wins is now nine. So you reduce it by four. That's, that's saying a little bit about what they have there. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, he may go, I, the NFL is about wide open. Get me some weapons. Let's go. Everybody wants to follow the Kansas City Chiefs here. Green Bay's going oppo. They're like, no, we want to get back to uh, Lombardi's Packers here, where Bart Starr throws only occasionally to Boyd Dowler. That's an interesting philosophy there. If you have a great defense and you want to run the football, I'm all in. If that's your philosophy, you can run the football and you have a great defense, I get it. Well, you got a talented running back. I don't think your defense is great. And you're going to try to emulate the Niners. And they're still better than you because they have an elite defense and they ran the ball down your throat. You couldn't stop them. Other than that, enjoy the season. Take a break. Play of the day next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. There have been a couple of times in my career where I've seen pitchers do something with a baseball that I had not seen before. Kerry Woods' breaking ball. I don't know how many feet it broke, but it, it defied you know, logic. I, you're just watching it, and you're going, it feels like an optical illusion. The Astros had no chance that day. None. And they'll admit it. They had no chance. Now, I saw Dwight Gooden when Gooden was at his peak, and he had an ability to, he could bring heat, and he had a great breaking ball. Uh, Steve Carlton with that slider. That was always, it just died in the dirt and guys still went after it. Randy Johnson, another one like that. Uh, 
you just see some of these pitchers and you go, that is not normal. You know, when Clemens was with the Red Sox in his prime, he had that ability to just rear back and bring it. Um, guys who pound the strike zone. This was different with Kerry Wood. He had great velocity, but he also had that breaking ball that was just not fair. When Nolan Ryan learned how to throw a changeup that was representative of his breaking ball, you know, he was that's where he started all those no hitters. What do you have? Seven no hitters. Probably could have had 19. I think he had 12 one hitters. He could have had 19 no hitters. It's that breaking ball. These guys have, you know, they, you know everybody was th- you know, throws 95 and plus. But when you have that breaking ball and you deliver that with the same arm slot as you do your fastball, not fair. Not fair. That's our play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by 1-800-Flowers. They have limited delivery, so it's important to lock in your order. You have to do it today. 1-800-Flowers, beautiful Mother's Day gifts and bouquets. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon, enter the promo code PATRICK. Now, I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of pitchers. You know, Clayton Kershaw had that ability, too, where you throw that 12-6 to 6 breaking ball. You know, Vita Blue was a guy that I just admired because he just pound the strike zone. But when you add that element of the breaking ball, it just changes so much. Because now if you're sitting on fastballs, which is what these guys do, unless you're the Astros and you know what's coming, it's really hard to, you know, go, I'm sitting fastball and he brings the breaking ball. You have no chance. None whatsoever. Yeah, Paul. I was watching MLB Network the other day and they were doing a thing on different pitchers, Cy Young seasons. And they were showing highlights of Barry Zito when he was like 23, 24 years old with the Oakland A's. Yep. And he had a, a fastball that was only about 88, 89, but it was straight. And then they were breaking down his curveball, and his curveball was this big looper. And I, I don't know who the analyst was. He goes, the way he released it and held it was exactly the same. Yep. So the, the hitters are up there thinking it's either going to be 88 or 65 and a big hook. And they even said like one of the toughest uh, pitchers to hit at his time. Johan Santana of the Twins had a run where he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And I go back to this because Harold Reynolds was doing baseball tonight with the mothership back then. And I remember saying, why can't they hit his changeup, Johan Santana? He said, all right, I'm going to show you the arm angle. One is his fastball and the other is his changeup. You tell me which one's which. And he put them side by side and I go, oh my God. He goes, exactly. He goes, now imagine being at the plate and you see that arm angle, and there's no difference. When guys tip their pitches, that's when hitters, they tee off because now you've given them a little bit of a heads up there. Now I'm looking at the release point, guys who may lower their arm slot, guys who hold their their, uh, glove differently for a breaking ball or fastball. So many little things you're looking for, and hitters are looking for that edge. And the fact that you're looking and you don't see anything with Johan Santana, you know, he was never the same after he threw a no-hitter, but man, you just watched him and you just said that's that's just not fair. It it really wasn't. Guys who blow it by you, that's one thing. It's the guys who, you know, kind of finesse you a little bit. Maddox was the same way. Maddox used to throw in the in the 90s, mid-90s. And then he stopped throwing that hard and he made you get yourself out, but he was so good at throwing the ball where he needed to. Really unbelievable. Greg in Cincinnati joins us. Greg, what's on your mind today? Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good, 6-1, sir. Uh, 210. All right. Um, 
Hey, uh, talking about, you're talking about Hall of Fame. Every time you talk about the Hall of Fame, it drives me crazy because I remember my days as a younger man when Kenny Riley and Ken Anderson uh, had a good run, and they've gotten no recognition for that. I, I, I think that those guys have the kind of career that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and I think you would probably agree coming from this area. Well, I don't have to be from that area to agree with you on that, but I Kenny Anderson was... He's a borderline Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Had he beaten Joe Montana and the Niners in the Super Bowl, he would be thought of differently. It's unfortunate, but that's, you know, that's the way the voters look at this. Not me. Kenny Anderson is a borderline Hall of Famer. I thought he was an elite. He, I, he was one of those guys that was completing a high percentage before it was in vogue. Like, I think he had the record for maybe 20 consecutive completions one time. Like, he just... Kenny Anderson came out of Augustana College in Indiana, and he was a very good quarterback. You know, maybe not great, but he was very good. The Hall of Very Good. And Kenny, this uh, Snake Riley, was a wonderful defensive back. Wonderful defensive back. Now, I don't know where he ranked. I mean, you'd have to have people who break this down. I just know that uh, the Rattler, I should say. I call him Kenny Snake. I'm talking about Stabler. Uh, but but if you're playing in Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls, that certainly helps. Oh, Bengal talk here. How about this? Seven no-hitters for Nolan Ryan, 12 one-hitters, 18 two-hitters. He could have easily had 25 no-hitters. God. Paul Feinbaum will join us coming up in Meta World Peace. Final two hours coming up. Dan Patrick Show. One more item in the first hour. It's LegalZoom. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. 